All right. Greetings, members of the residential construction industry. It's May 7th, 2020, and welcome to the very first news and information podcast sponsored by the Rhode Island Builders Association. I'm your host, Paul Eno, and today I'm happy to be speaking with John Marcantonio, Reba's Executive Officer. John, give us a snapshot of where the industry in Rhode Island stands right now as we approach two months of lockdown because of COVID-19. You know, Paul, before we even get to that, I, I want to thank you for putting together this new resource for their membership and industry. I, for a lot of people don't know, you're the editor of the Builder Report magazine. Uh, you've been doing that for an awful long time. You do an amazing job with it. Uh, and, I, and I think um, getting to this next level or, or, or the, the modern age here and uh, figuring out the best way to communicate to the industry uh, was your idea. And I want to thank you for it. So hopefully our members like this type of communication as an add-on to the magazine. The magazine is not going anywhere, but we continue to use this to communicate a little more effectively to the industry. So well, your first you. question again, sir, I see here was about um, where we are now because of the lockdown. Well, at first, I'm, I'm happy to say that even though a lot of folks look at this as a lockdown because it was a stay-at-home order, the industry was not shut down. So our industry was not locked down, was not shut down. And a lot of that credit goes to the governor uh, and her willingness to work with industry, our industry in particular uh, on protocols and safety measures that we could put in place to keep us working. Uh, it was her confidence and our ability to promulgate that and um, and her desire to keep as much as the economy functioning that, that led us to still be able to work. Now, I know people have been affected, but we haven't been shut down. And compared to other states, our industry has fared much better. Um, and just some of the nearby states, uh, our, our industry has took a, taken a bigger hit. In Pennsylvania, they were completely shut down, and in New York, and many areas across the country. So uh, it's our advocacy that has has helped out with that. And our, and our relationships uh, with the Department of Business Regulation, Department of Health, DLT, uh, and many other agencies that we, we have a day-to-day uh, relationship with. Yes, I understand in Massachusetts that the commercial operations have pretty much been shut down as far as construction job sites are concerned, but that residential is able to continue. Am I right? Uh, for the most part, yes. I think they've been affected a lot more. Um, in, in Massachusetts, there was... Uh, not as good as communication, I believe, in the construction sector amongst the different industry sectors. Uh, in Rhode we have a pretty good rapport with the other trade associations and industry sectors, so we've been trying to coordinate and get on the same page to keep everyone working, and, and that's been a very good strategy, both from a safety standpoint and from an economic standpoint. Well, for instance, Paul, let me give you an example here. Um, take permitting and inspection. So in the first couple of days of the crisis hitting, um, permit, permitting and inspection starting to fall apart. On a, it just started to fall apart on a local level. Um, inspection in particular. So we r- right away started working with the League of Cities and Towns, the Building Officials Association, the Department of Business Regulation, their Office of Building and Construction, and our other trade associations in the industry. And, and we've I think put together, albeit a little hodgepodge, kind of a, a common understanding that we're, we're going to 
maintain inspection and, and permitting across the state, but we're going to do it in a cooperative way. So it's town by town. We ask our membership uh, and anyone in the industry to work cooperatively with their local building official if he's willing to let you take videos or pictures, um, if, he, if he wants to come to a job site after hours when there's no one there, um, whatever we can do to mutually cooperate and accommodate is kind of what the policy is. Now, for the most part, uh, having worked together with a lot of cities and towns uh, and building officials, I think the permitting and inspection process is working, still working. Okay, we, we might um, want to point out, though, uh, John, that in the May issue of the Rhode Island Builder magazine and also in the June issue, we have a list of all the uh, building officials and their phone numbers for people to contact because, uh, as you say, things are proceeding uh, as far as inspections and reviews and, and things are concerned, but they may differ from town to town. Some are accepted photos as you say etc so I would refer people to the magazine when it comes to that uh, information well Paul that's information that you obviously put together and provide to the industry um, and I thank you for that but that's that's great advice so we do have a list uh, in the magazine you would have received this past month of all the building officials because I know sometimes although a lot of folks work in the same town all the time um, that list is there for everyone's use um, okay. yeah and, and I would ask if the members have a particular issue a severe issue uh, not that something's delayed a day or two, but I mean, some something has broken down on a local level to please give me uh, a call at the Builders Association at our headquarters at 438-7400 and let me know what's going on in your local town and, and we'll, we'll work with all parties to see if we can fix the, what the dilemma is. Now, another thing I'll, I'll tell you about too is, you know, that's directly related to our relationships and advocacy is the new safety rules. So, you know, as soon as the crisis started to hit, the industry in a collaborative way a REBA in a very aggressive way, put together a bunch of best practices sent out to the industry so we could continue to you know, show folks that we're distancing, that we're putting protocols in place for safety and um, all those types of things. And it was our initial pro, uh, proactive type of approach here that I, I think played a role in showing that the, the, the regulators and, and the like, that, that we could continue to work, that we could message our membership in the industry to, to follow a safety protocol on a local level. And, and those things involve you know, everything from hand washing, hand sanitizing, uh, how to manage distance on a job site, uh, the strategic use of masks, which is the, a new part of the protocol. Uh, we've communicated that recently. Uh, obviously, keeping sick people off your job sites. I mean, our, our advice is that because we're smaller companies, uh, we keep in direct contact with our employees uh, every day and before they come to work. If anyone has any type of issues or even feels they're not feels as if they're not feeling well, they shouldn't come to work. You, you don't want to have a sick person on your job site that has COVID. Um, and then a bunch of other things are coming out. So, I mean, I, we're, we're going to be, in the next couple of days, I'll have some of the final procedures in place and put it out there. And these are the rules that we ask all of our members to follow uh, and, and follow the best you can because it's critical. If we're all following it, none, first and foremost, no one gets sick. Second of all, we don't become the example of how the contagion spreads. And we're doing our responsible thing, uh, protecting our employees, again, keeping economic activity going, and obviously satisfying our customers. Um, if you have some specific questions about some of the forthcoming safety rules, Paul, uh, go ahead, and I'll do my best to try to answer them. Sure. Uh, one, one observation, though, uh, you know, you and I are both in touch with members, uh, I, from the viewpoint of the magazine, and uh, it's funny that many of them are saying uh, that they're, they're busy still, uh, but they're 
busier outside than inside and one of the issues that they're having is that sometimes people uh, don't want them in their houses and but I think that there were protocols that have been set up including masks and distancing etc where uh, it is getting a little easier I'm hearing at least from remodelers uh, one of the problems on any job site uh, seems to be lunch Strangely enough, a lot of people are saying that uh, while they're using power tools, etc., their their crews are generally separated anyway, and that's not so difficult. But it's when they're having breaks and lunch that it, that they really have to stress that they have to either have lunch in their vehicles or certainly not be close together. So that that's just one thing that I'm hearing from members. Yeah, look, I mean, as you know, I was I, I worked in construction for about 15 years, and you know, lunch was a time to hang out with your friends and congregate together, catch up, and all that. But those those are the things that are going to have to put on hold. Um, where it's just you can't have people have lunch in close quarters together. They should break separately if they're individual trucks or different locations on a job site. Um, I, I know it sounds antisocial, but that social distancing is important. If they're going to congregate uh, in the lunch area, they, they have to be very separated. Uh, ideally, in a nicer weather, eating outside. Um, there's a lot of things at play here on some of the new rules, too, Paul. I mean, the, the, strategic, the strategic use of masks. So the way we've been able to negotiate it with our industry is that, you know, obviously, if, if someone's on the roof and he's nailing up a roof and someone's down on the bottom cutting the shingles, they, they don't have to wear masks. If they're socially distant and they're not expected to be next to each other. But if you're in any close quarters or expected to be working within six feet or going to be approaching someone to assist them, you need to put your mask on. And that mask is really designed to keep you, in case you're contagious, from spreading it to someone else. And it does obviously reduce the likelihood that the other person has something and you're close to them of catching it. Uh, but it's just one piece of the puzzle. And the hand sanitizer, I know these things are tough on construction sites, but having the hand sanitizer or even hand-washing stations, which we'll provide some guidance on, which aren't as difficult as many people would think to put together, um, would be preferred. One of the things that we were able to prevent uh, from happening uh, relative to the rules for residential construction that are forthcoming is that there was a movement to have thermometer checks for that all employees uh, had to go through and all employers had to um, implement on job sites. But we were able to make that, I think, Again, the final guidance hasn't been posted yet, but I think that's going to be a threshold number that large commercial job sites may have that requirement, but the smaller residential ones won't. And it really will come down to the number of people you have on the job site. And for the most part, I would say it was 20 or 25 people. That is a very good threshold, meaning it's, it's hard to have that many people on a residential construction site. Um, so if the number ends up being somewhere in the 20s as a threshold for some of those higher, uh, more restrictive protocols, then I don't think they will affect residential. Of course, that doesn't mean that we don't want to protect our employees or have a similar protocol. And again, it goes back to what I was saying earlier about just having people contact their employees prior to coming to a job. If they have a fever and not feeling well, don't come to the job. You do not want to have, again, uh, an affected person on your job site. And when it comes to what you're saying too about remodeling, yes, I know most of the outdoor activity has been, uh, hasn't been as affected. Indoor stuff certainly has a little more, but some of the new guidance may be like that when you're working in someone's house, inside, all the windows and doors should be open. Uh, the circulation of air, fresh air into that environment, especially in closer, closer quarters, is huge. Um, I think if we can, as, as an industry, push to the consumer the protocols we're going to be following with you know, san sanitation and face masks and all those types of things that the consumer will start uh, 
start to allow people to um, to do work in their homes again. So that's that's kind of where that that is, and that's an issue we spent an awful lot of time on, and a lot of people probably aren't aware that we do do that. And all this negotiation and work done by the trade association actually comes down to the effectiveness of our membership, meaning, you know, we're a pretty strong organization because we have about 800 companies uh, active in our membership base. And when that number grows and we stay strong, we have a strong voice and can accomplish all these things that we're speaking of today. But when it drops, you lose the ability to have even these discussions. So I know it's tough sometimes to think about, you know, your dues or recruitment uh, during these tough times. I get it, whether you keep the newspaper or you you can pay, you know, your electric bill sometimes are in play here for some of the smaller companies when things get tough. But staying with your trade association, I think, in this in this tough time, will prove more than ever that the resources that we collectively come together to offer and how important they are to your employment and how if you didn't know about them or couldn't follow them or didn't have those as a resource, that your entire livelihood could be compromised. So, um, you know, staying together, staying strong is part of what, why we're able to accomplish some of these things, Paul. So I'm, I know I'm rambling on here. I'll let you get to your next question. It's okay. No, it sounds good, John. One of the things we're going to be highlighting in the June magazine uh, are conversations that uh, you and I both had uh, over the past month with two major economists, one of whom is a national housing economist, Elliot Eisenberg, and another is uh, our dear friend Len Ladaro from the University of Rhode Island, who's a renowned economist in the state. And they both are saying that um, we need education and training as real survival tools for not just members of REBA, but for anyone who's in the residential construction industry. And REBA has um, uh, immediately, has already positioned itself, uh, from what I can see, uh, months and months ago, uh, to offer all the courses everybody needs. And, and uh, just it's, it's really amazing what's happened. And now it's all being done online. Can you, can you talk about the education program, John, and how valuable it is and uh, how it can be used? Yeah, Paul. So we, the trade association, in the last eighteen months or so, has repositioned itself um, into more of a training and education organization. I mean, obviously, we'll always be member benefit, and these has been a, a member benefit for some time. Education, but we have expanded our education portfolios into more of a development, contract development model. And it's been used very effectively over the last six or eight months for new contractors entering the market um, who need the assistance uh, from a trade association. But now we're, we're, we've expanded the offerings so our existing contractors have a, a lot to understand and learn from us. From you know, the I- idea of codes and co-compliance and safety compliance and a laundry list of um, accounting. I mean, it's a very, very ex- expansive list of course offerings taught by industry professionals and going into that space and then going into a crisis positioning ourselves as a contractor training kind of uh, organization um, and, and then having economists tell us that it's the repositioning of your company, it's the retraining of your employees it's the knowledge base that you'll have that will help you get through it or allow you to enter other niche markets that may be more active in a tough economy. It's this type of education resource that we've focused on, especially over the last couple of months and expanded very rapidly, that we think will be very beneficial 
to the membership and industry at large. Um, education and training seem to be the mantra that a, the top economists say is how you stay healthy and grow your business or even survive in a tough time. So your trade association is actually designed for this. We're in crisis mode now, um, not internally, but reacting, obviously, to help our members during this, this crisis. And a lot of that is information. A lot of it is education and a lot of it is advocacy. Now, all of our other services from some of our safety services and insurances and all those types of things are still operational. Um, the only thing that has been affected on our side are events. So our, I, I hate to say it, but I think our beloved clam bake this year will be canceled. Our home show, which is a big consumer outreach for us, has been postponed until next year. Um, but just circling back to this, uh, again, education, I think if members have not, really focused on what REBA offers. They need to call the office, talk to Elise Geddes. Uh, our contractor training, I mean, if you're an existing contractor and you want to have education um, and retraining and learn new skill sets and all these, and be focused on a lot of the new niches and, and, and information you need to grow your business, or if you have employees that you want to have trained in different areas. Uh, we, we have a very large and comprehensive trade training program that a lot of people still aren't aware of. We've been doing this now for three or four years where people can learn the basics of carpentry and, um, and get into pre-apprenticeship electrical and HVAC and plumbing. So there's the trade association has been doing an awful lot uh, to reposition itself relative to the contractor base. So our, our base uh, within the state has been aging out. The number of people entering the industry or students participating in programs to enter the industry as they grow were depleted. Uh, and we've done an awful lot over the last few years to get career and tech students engaged in the industry, to get new young men and women interested in trades, and to take the new contractors who in the next five to ten years will replace our older contractors to get them up to speed uh, on what home building and remodeling is all about. And in that mix, even if you're like my father out there, an older uh, contractor who's still con conducting work, there is never um, a missed opportunity from my standpoint to learn something. Uh, whether it be about materials, codes, uh, business practices, uh, new niches, energy, uh, REBA has it covered for you. So please take the time and um, and follow through on that by contacting the office. And a lot of these programs uh, for our members, they're they're completely free. So it's it's yeah. Just, I was going to uh, point that out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it comes with their membership. They, they may have to help us by joining a, some of our contractor training programs, but it's all painless and at least can help people through that. Yeah, and it's also uh, tuition free for employees as well. And uh, the job right. training programs uh, can help employers who are looking for employees, help people who are looking for jobs in the industry, making career changes. Employers can send uh, employees to be upskilled, and again, it's a, that has no cost to employers or to the students either, uh, thanks to uh, REBA's um, really, really great arrangement with the Department of Labor and Training, et cetera, and the Residential uh, Construction uh, Partnership, et cetera. It's, uh, just, it's really, really amazing. Well, I mean, I, we think so. Uh, and for the most part, we've heard from a lot of the members, um, certainly our board, uh, that they're pleased with the direction of the trade association. So we hope people take advantage of that. So, John, what's your ultimate message for our listeners today? 
Well, before I get to the ultimate message, okay. I, I, I want to uh, just circle back to the next thing that we're working on uh, during this crisis. So wh whether you are, and this is on my plate right now, on our plate, because it's not just me, there's a whole laundry uh, list of people here from our directors and, uh, and staff folks who, who work on these issues with me. But the next thing that we're focused on right now are the planning and zoning board hearings. So. You know, we've got the safety protocols in place. Uh, we've assisted with SBA financing and promulgating the information. Uh, we've got inspections uh, and those things back operational, but the biggest hurdle right now are planning and zoning boards. So I think when this thing hit, uh, a lot of folks said, well, it's a couple months, a week, whatever it is, we'll be back to operations. And the towns now are realizing, most towns, that business as usual, where you had a public hearing and, you know, there's 10 experts and 30 people in the room and 100 neighbors and, you know, you have this thing in a, in a, in a municipal building or you have in a school hall if it's a big enough hearing, those things probably aren't going to be occurring the way they used to be. And so a lot of these things have to be moved to online platforms. We, we cannot allow zoning and hearing, hearing boards to be postponed indefinitely or to be so dysfunctional that they, they you know, they can't get meetings to occur. So I, I, the governor, to her credit, issued an executive order allowing or waiving some of the open meetings laws so these things can be done online. The Department of Business Regulation has is in the process of assisting towns to get them certain online protocols um, or programs, software programs like Zoom or, or similar programs so they can start to conduct hearings and approve even the most simplest applications for variances and special use permits to the most complicated things on large land use projects. If we can't clear that up, uh, then everything eventually slows down or stops as well. Yeah. So that, that's been a major focus for us. I, we've been making progress, again, in a cooperative spirit with the league and with our regulators uh, trying to work through this. I, I do anticipate and another executive order from the governor in the next couple of days or by next week. Um, I don't know the particulars of it yet. Uh, and, and it involves, you know, tolling or pushing forward some of the approval processes that the towns have been delayed on for a little while while they transition or come up with a program to go online virtually or streaming these types of hearings. So there's a, we're working with them. We're being as patient as possible, but we are pushing for solutions here because there's just a lot of economic activity that, that is not going to occur unless we can get some of these local approvals uh, done. So now to my ultimate message, <laughs> which is, I, I guess that's the ultimate question, Paul. I, I, I love how you phrase these things. Huh? Um, uh, the, look, the biggest message for today, uh, and first, if people like this new method of communicating or want to have a certain topic discussed or want to have someone in our group or a certain person um, highlighted on this, on this podcast, uh, let us know. Uh, so first, the feedback would be great. Uh, but the biggest message is, please, you have to stay safe uh, and follow the protocols. I'll get them out to you in a few days, whether it's directly from me or from your alumni or from some friend. We hope to get them out to you. Uh, they'll also be posted and, and promoted by the Department of Business Regulation and hopefully by your local building official. But you, you don't want the virus to enter your business. It just shuts things down too quickly. Uh, so setting up the processes to stay well, keep your employees safe, and show your customers, you know, that you're a low-risk company will be will be huge. Um, I, I, I really believe we can get through it. Uh, this is going to last a while, but I really believe we can get through it and have a, a, a decent enough uh, industry um, function here if folks can just 
continue to follow some of those safety protocols that we'll get out to them. I know finding and sourcing some of these materials, PPEs, is difficult. Um, we're working with the state, and we'll be sending information on the local resources to get that. We tried to get into the uh, space of trying to uh, source these, and uh, the, the, the supply chain is so complicated right now, it was very difficult for us to get into that. But we're now going to try to source uh, and, and send people directly to local sources. So I, I do believe the supply chain is catching up um, to the demand. But that aside, I want everyone to know, too, that your trade association is designed for this type of crisis. Its role now is to negotiate in your best interest with regulators, keep you safe from working, keep you informed. We're fully aware that your businesses are affected, and, and we're leveraging and expanding our training and education resources to help with that. Uh, with our, you know, with our whole programs, we hope you can retrain employees, refocus on your own skill sets, and and find some of the resources to manage your cash flow, financial issues, etc. Um, Paul, look, you've known me for a while. You've been in this trade association for an awfully long time. You know that Reba truly is here to assist. Uh, we want people to stay well, but please call the office anytime. Uh, we'll always do our best, our very best, to help you. Everyone or anyone who answers that phone at the Trade Association, if they don't have the answer for you, they will They will truly try to find that answer for you. That's, uh, so that's, that's, uh, that's all I have for you. That's outstanding, John. And friends, uh, watch ribuilders.org, Reba's social media, and the Rhode Island Builder Magazine for ongoing updates on what the industry needs to know and what Reba can do for you during these difficult times. Also, uh, watch for word on the next uh, in this uh, series of news and information podcasts. Uh, if you was a member of the residential construction industry, need any information to help your business, or have suggestions for content you'd like to hear in upcoming podcasts, as John said, contact Reba at 401-438-7400 or info at ribuilders.org. John, thank you so much. I'm Paul Eno. Thanks for listening, and everybody stay safe.